0: ...times we never um, really touch on, or we never share about it. And, and um, so, tonight I just wanted to start something uh, just for the next four weeks that we're going to tackle, and that's uh, sexuality. Um, and uh, I think it's a great subject because it's throughout, uh, we see there's this so much information about it. And, and fortunately, we have a society and a world that's bombarding us with it. Thanks very much, Nick and uh, the reality of that is not all the information that's getting fed to us is positive in actual fact it's just downright destructive and it gives a distorted view of what is the truth and uh, the incredible uh, things that God has created for us what was meant for joy has become such a destructive force in the world so I thought we'd just tackle that. Is that okay you, you're there you're with us um, I just wanted to let you know um, for anybody twelve and under you don 't have to you can go into the conference room if you wanted to and you can enjoy uh, a video in there, but you 're welcome to stay there 's no content tonight that 's going to be of anything um, that uh, would be uh, not good to hear as that so um, I wanted to just start tonight by just look, laying a platform so tonight is going to lay a little bit of a platform, a bit of a foundation to this whole se- um, uh, whole area of um, navigating our sexuality in today's culture, in today's society. Uh, So I wanted to start, I just thought, you know, one of the greatest places to start in this whole topic has to be what what was declared and what was um, um, put together uh, in the the first couple of chapters of the Bible, in Genesis chapters 1, and particularly chapter 2. So I want to draw our attention to Genesis chapter 2 and just read some verses tonight, 15 to 24, just 25. We're starting at verse fifteen. This wants to set a little bit of a platform for us, and, um, and it just talks about uh, here, um, of course, the whole cre- part of the creation story, and uh, Adam and Eve. So let me just start reading Ch- Genesis two fifteen. Then the Lord God took the man, and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Um, And the Lord God said, it's not good uh, that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called them, each living creature, that was its name. So Adam... We'll go to the verse 20. So Adam... Um, gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took, and God took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam said, "This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she taken out of man." Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they will become one flesh, and they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. We see here that God helps Adam kind of sort through the feelings he was having. And the feelings he was having were, if you could see in those verses, it says that he was looking for someone to be a companion to himself, to be comparable with himself. And it's interesting, but God... um, God knew what was going to unfold, but of course He made some animals, and Adam didn't find anything amongst the animals that was comparable to himself. Aren't you glad about that? Um, you know, and then and then uh, God thought, well, you know, I'll uh, I'll make someone who's really comparable, and so of course um, Eve was created, and Adam looked at Eve and said, "Wow, man, I could give an arm and a leg for that." And uh, God said, "A rib will do." And, um, and of course, uh, the two were formed and we had Adam and Eve. Uh, we had man and we had woman. We had male and we had female. We had a husband and we had wife. Uh, so there was created some of the foundational structures for the society straight there. And if you were to uh, look through this verse, um, you've got to understand some things. It says that um, it says they would leave. It says when a man, they'll leave their, their parents. That means to relinquish. And so, um, this principle was that would, they would uh, relinquish their relationship, not completely with their parents, but they would to take up a new one that was different, but similar. That the one they had with their parents, now they would have with one another. And the difference was very clear that they, they would be, and it says very clearly here, they would join together. Um, uh, they'd cling and adhere to each other, and they'd be one flesh, which means, if you were to look at the one flesh in the original English and Greek, uh, Hebrew I should say, it means sexual union, okay? Wherever you see that, sometimes we just kind of skip over those little one flesh, you know, but really it means sexual union. And so that was completely the different relationship that they had with their parents, now they're having with one another, male and female. So in this one verse, in verse 24... Uh, A man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, become one flesh. And we see several things that are foundational to our society established right there. And isn't it a hot topic right now? Uh, Because what we see is one verse establishes the importance of only one spouse, not many. I'm glad I've just got one. I don't need many. My wife doesn't need many husbands. Um, Some people around the world still believe in in that. Several partners I don't, think it's, uh, I don't think that's how God set it out. And then it talks about the importance of a new relationship, of course, leaving the father and mother and, and joining together. And then it talks about the importance of marriage. And then in that marriage, the part that sex plays in that marriage. So we see God establishes the centrality of what sex is all about. It's just this one verse in verse 24. What an amazing thought. And he establishes right at the beginning of creation, right at the beginning of the Bible, Um. And the, the, the existence of humanity. God outlines the best way for relationships to take place. Male and female. I could, you know, in some countries, if I said that, that's seen as hate speech. <laughs> uh, one person, not many people, and committed to each other in a sexual relationship uh, that's a wholesome and healthy. in Within marriage. Okay? So... Has I contemplated that foundation? And as you contemplate that foundation, the reality is for many people, and even many, whether they're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ or not believers, that hasn't unfolded that way for them. Uh, there's been some decisions that have been made, and it didn't happen that way. And, uh, and there's been some things. And you know, um, I've over the years, I've had the privilege, and I suppose the opportunity to talk with many people. Many people come and talk to me and and, uh, and maybe you've had the same situation, and and you see the pain in their hearts from just the decisions they've made, whether it was, you know, um, got involved in a, a sexual relationship before marriage, or maybe uh, you know they've faced had several marriages and it didn't go so well, and there was a there was a ripping apart, you know, of that one flesh and that. Um, and, and, and so there was divorce involved and there's a whole series of things that can happen and I remember one day that I, I was here just in the office and a, a lady came and saw me and um, and I'd known her as a young lady and um, in the youth group of our church and then she'd walked away she would found a guy and got involved and you know felt compelled that that was the one she was to marry but um, you know 15 years later and three children later she came back and and, uh, and just said to me with tears in her eyes, why did I do it? Why did I do it? Why did I do it? And I said, you know, we can't look back. We can only look forward now, you know, the future and what can happen now. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for a God who can heal hearts, aren't you? I'm thankful for a God who can restore lives together. I'm thankful for a God who can take that which is in our bad decisions sometimes and he can bring life out of it. And uh, there is so many people throughout this world that have been damaged and hurt because of the decisions in their whole realm of their sexuality. But I'm grateful that um, there is, uh, there's answers and there's truth. And so, you know, I, I often think sometimes I wish there was a time machine. You could just take us back, hey? Eh? I just wish we could eat our words or we could take not have those actions that we've done. We could we just go back and before that and just redo life a little bit better. But, you know, there's not a time machine. Uh, we can't go back. We have to live with the decisions and the results of those decisions. And, um, and uh, the, the, the truth is, is that uh, we just need to um, realize that there is a future and a hope. There's a, there's a verse in the Bible that many of us would know, but it says in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And in all your ways... Um, sorry, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on onto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Um, That trusting in God and Him directing our paths is what theologians call sometimes providence. You heard of the word providence? And what providence is, is that God gets down into the nitty-gritty of your life and directs your life, even when you're just not really totally aware. of it. I mean, you're walking with Him generally and you're living with Him, but He gets down and He directs your life. And it's only after you've come through a series of events or maybe a period in your life, you look back and say, Gee, I didn't even pray about that. I didn't give much effort to that. And yet, man, it's turned out for good. That's called God directing your path, which is called providence, which is wonderful. I always remember um, at the age of 18, I finished high school here in Gladstone. And I was, and I was thinking about jobs. And so I applied for many apprenticeships. And, and I got an apprenticeship uh, in Rockhampton with the um, Capricorn Electricity Board as an electrician. And I thought, okay. You know, I'm, I'm kind of really naive. Oh well, I'm headed to Rockhampton. And just after I got that apprenticeship, I had the Queen's Electricity Commission board ring me here in Gladstone, who, were, who owned the power station, and said, oh, we've got an apprenticeship with you in the mechanical field. And I thought, oh, that's good. And I made a decision on where I was, what I was, whether I was going to do electrical or mechanical um, trade based on the fact that I just wanted to stay in Gladstone. You know, not a real big, you know, no great big uh, thoughts about it. Oh, no, I'm going to stay in Gladstone, and I... Rejected the apprenticeship in Rockhampton, took the one in Gladstone, and uh, life unfolded. And I, uh, and I, you know, uh, got, got involved in this church, and then I found my wife in this church, and then I, I stayed here, and we've had children, and, and you know, I became a pastor, and, and and you know what? I look back now and I think, God, it's Your providence I'm here tonight because I, you know, I couldn't have thought of such a good plan, but You brought me through it, and that's God's providence sometimes. But it's just trusting in Him every day, and He. Somehow, as you look back, you see his hand upon what you've done. And I don't think I'd be here tonight if it wasn't for his hand. And so I say all that is that sometimes um, um, I'm grateful that that I can trust God and he's, he's been there. But there's times when we need more than his providence. We need to make right decisions about how we conduct our lives. There's times when we... It's just not good enough to say, I've got to work it out, but we really do have to make right decisions to steer away from that stuff that will be destructive and to, and to head into that stuff, which is truth, and to live by principles of truth and His His ways. And, we, and um, sometimes we need someone smarter than ourselves to guide us in the decisions we make. And so right there, I'm just glad that we have a God, and, and and if that, that, that's enough reason, I reckon, to commit our life to Christ. For that very reason, that he's smarter than us and he can help us in the decisions we have to make. And he wants to give us a good life. But there are some decisions that God expects us to make with a degree of intelligence and not just some unfolding providence in our lives. And um, we can't walk around blindly thinking everything's gonna, everything that happens to me, oh, that's just God's will, you know. No, it's not. You know, if you fall off a cliff, oh, that's just God's will. No, it's not. Silly. You walk too close to the cliff. <laughs> you know, so um, you've, got to make, you've got to make decisions uh, and, and, and realize uh, that God wants you to make intelligent decisions. And when we come to this whole area of our sexuality, folks, you just can't blindly walk through life and say, oh, whatever will happen. If a boy comes along or a girl comes along or something, yeah, I'll just take that. That'll do. No, no. There's some intelligent decisions you need to make. Isn't that right? Um, and so God wants us to understand that there is principles and truths to live by in this whole area, and wisdom that we need to exercise in regards to our sexuality. Um, and uh, you know, I've come to understand, and some of you have heard this before, but God's principles are not, and God's laws are not like. Human laws. Um, because human laws, you can change those. And no real, no real dramatic um, uh, consequence. You can, you can change the speed limits. You change it from 100 to 110 or whatever. And there's no, no big dramatic consequence to that. But you can't take God's principles and his laws and change them without a consequence. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's why the whole debate on men and you know, the same-sex marriage is such a sad thing. Because you change one man, one woman, verse twenty-four, and you just get so much pain ultimately. Ultimately, not straight away, but uh, um, so. So God wants us to understand some things that. We can't change his laws like we just changed human laws. They're unchangeable. They're cemented into the integrity and the moral fiber of your being and my being. Whether you like that or not tonight, whether you agree with that tonight or not, it's a reality of some of the things you cannot change about what God cemented. Even if you don't believe in God, you can't still change the principles of what he's created you how and how he's created you. And uh, it's not like just changing the speed limit. (laughs) You can't do it. So... Um, and we need wisdom, we need wisdom, and we need intelligent decisions to exercise wisdom in how we live life. And, 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 and you know, wisdom, when we make decisions on our sexuality, it's more than just being clever. You know, there's a lot of clever people in the world, God doesn't want you just to be clever, He wants you to be wise. Because, unfortunately, clever people make, um, um, can make, get out of problems that um, wise people would have never got into in the first place. Clever people get out of problems that wise people would never have got involved in in the first place. And so we need to be aware uh, to make uh, decisions that are are not just clever, but wise. God wants us to be wise. And so uh, we want to tackle this subject of sexuality, um, seeking to uh, live in a world that's closing in and trying to... The culture of our sexuality is just being destroyed and continually pulled apart. And you know that from, you know... Uh, because when I was growing up, um, probably in the 70s, and, you know, all the goalposts were changing, you know. There were things, you know, it's... Because when I was, you know, my parents grew up, it was like, you know, you don't have sex before marriage. And yet in the 70s, 80s, all changing. You know, that's, you know, you live with your partner and you find out, try before you buy Yeah, that's a lie, isn't it? Um I remember growing up as a young man as an apprentice at the power station and um I was about to marry my wife um at the age of twenty-four and I had these guys saying, mate, you're bombarding me all the time. Try before you buy. What are you doing? You're stupid. You know, you don't live with her? No, I don't live with you. You don't have sex with her? No, I don't. You're ridiculous. You're an idiot. I said, Well, I'll be an idiot. And they used to talk about their sexual um, conquest on the weekends. And I'm thinking, you know, I didn't have all the answers in those days. But I did just know there was a principle in God's law. And for some reason, I praise God, I stuck to it. Um, Because it just said, you know, the most important thing about my relationship with my wife was always going to be that communication and that understanding and that care for one another. And sex would just come as a part of that. And and I thought, I don't know how it's going to work, God. But it'll happen, I'm sure. And it did. And it's getting better. Is that a kill? Can I say that in church? Or well, why don't we praise good relationships? Why don't we highlight those who are doing it well? You know, those who've done 30 years of marriage and still enjoying each other. Why don't we, instead of because there's a lot of the world is highlighting and promoting. P- 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 you know, getting involved in, uh, I won't say that word, uh, getting involved in, you know, sex before marriage or, you know, do whatever you want. You know, it's all good. Uh, there's many relationships. Just have partners each week. And they're promoting that, aren't they? Why don't we promote life and say, there's 40 years of marriage. Not that I've been married 40 years, but, but we're, it, it's still fantastic what God could do in a relationship. And we're still loving each other. Amen. So, we, we've got to make intelligent decisions throughout our life um, because one of the greatest drives in our life is to experience intimacy with another person. Okay? One of the greatest drives is to experience intimacy with another person. Oneness with someone else, to have the opportunity to share with another person life and enjoy the experience. And the Bible puts this passion we have for sexual intimacy right at the front of the opening chapters of the Bible. So that's how important it is, hey? So um, so, so the series, this whole series, and over these uh, next four Sunday nights, I just want to address um, I want to, some groups particularly will find this incredibly beneficial. In actual fact, the bottom line is everybody will find it beneficial. But uh, the, the, there is a group, the young and the single, who will find this very beneficial because you face the question, how do I cope with my sexuality? How do we handle relationships? And what standards do we live by? And, um, and, and how do we find a life partner that is more than just a, you know, a roll of the dice type of decision? Whoever comes along, that'll do, yeah. Um, how do we do that? So um, young people, single people will find it. Uh, why is marriage the only place for sex? So Some of those questions will be answered. I'm not going to do all that tonight, but as we pro- proceed through. Um, and you know, for young people, there's incredible pressure. I, I, I got an uh, article from the Melbourne um, newspaper, The Age. I didn't literally have the hard copy, but online you can read The Melbourne Age newspaper. And it just it had a frightening article that just said this. Can I read it to you? It said, for young people, this is what the struggle is facing or some of the things that are happening... Violent sexual attitudes are common among boys in primary schools, according to an unpublished survey funded by the federal government. They don't tell you about this sometimes. Grade five and six boys uh, dominated their school culture and used sex as a weapon to intimidate girls, the survey found. Sexual harassment was so bad. I'm talking this is quite a few years ago. Sexual harassment was so bad at one of the five Melbourne primary schools surveyed that the teachers banned children from holding hands. Girls at the school reported being threatened physically and verbally if they did not meet the boys' demands. Excuse this, but to tongue kiss and fondle. They placed the boys in a group and asked them to give answers to the questions they were asked. And when asked about violence, the boys responded by describing violence in sexual terms. In response to what caused violence, one boy said it was watching TV when you see a man getting on with a woman and then wanting to go out and do it yourself. And all the boys... In, in discussion agreed heartily. The response to these questions was the same at both private and public schools. And uh, this is a primary school, not a high school. What a incredible, um, you know, what's just happening. Look, and to be honest, probably none of that really um, surprises you. And isn't that sad because we see so much even worse happening on our televisions, um, so much worse happening on our on technology today, whether it 's Facebook or whatever in Instagram and um, everything else that unfolds and computers and internet and so the basic standards we see of young people. Um, and unfortunately, because the social media has had to part the plan, there's the pressure, pressure, pressure to conform and be involved in stuff that is just downright totally destructive to their lives. I just want to say tonight, you know, let's call it out for what it is. It's still destructive to people's lives. You know, myself, well, this is old hat. This stuff isn't this old. Isn't this, you know this, is, you know, this is for our generations past. Folks, I'm going to tell you, it's got nothing to do about past generations. It's the principles of life that make life go well. And as I stand here, is a testimony, as do other people tonight, saying, it, life can go well when you do it God's way. And your sex life and sexuality can go fantastic if you do it God's way. And all who, who know about that said, Amen. So I'm preaching to the choir, aren't I? You're all there. You know what I'm talking about. You're... So, so we see, you know, we've got to be aware. Do you know that, that sexually transmitted diseases in 1984, they identified there were 20 different, different STDs in 1984? Do you know that as time has moved on, in 1992, there were 57? Do you know that as we go into 2018... That's probably gone another 20 up from that, so probably about 77 sexually transmitted diseases, folks. I don't, I only know to name a couple. I don't know what it, but you know what's happening? Is our bodies generating more diseases? Well, as we're continually sexually active and in the wrong way with different partners, obviously our body is forming and developing new things all the time. Because of isn't it true that unfortunately sin never pays; <laughs> it always rips people off. So we've got to be aware of that. Um, do you know that 60 to 80% of people who are sexually active with many different partners don't even know they have an STD in this nation? Don't even know they have one. Points out the danger, doesn't it, of what's happening? So, so young people, single people, the second group that I think this would be incredibly beneficial to is parents and grandparents. And all parents and grandparents said, hey... What is your role in this? What responsibility do you have in establishing a pathway for your children uh, to to not destroy their lives through harmful sex? Well, what are the skills we need to have? Uh, We have an incredible role to play. We have an incredible role to play. And... um, and, um, uh, the Melbourne Age also wrote this down: As children grow up and discover sexuality, many parents, unfortunately, prefer to avert their gaze. Uh, but the experts say that the modern teenagers needs a responsible ad- adult to help them understand the difference between love and sex, and to help them figure out, figure that out. There is a difference between love and lust, isn't there? You know, love and lust. You know what, uh, and some of you heard this, but you know, lust will wait five minutes, love will wait five years. You know, if it's really sincere, genuine love. So we see that um, there needs to be discussion with our, our children in the most appropriate manner, in the, in the most user friendly way. And I know that those discussions my wife had with our girls were just user friendly. It was just brilliant. We just kind of slipped right in there, it was great. You know, i tell you, I'll be honest with you, uh, my parents with me, do you know what I got? A little book and nothing was said. Didn't even tell me what the book was. They just said, here's a book. I said, oh, what's this? I opened the page and went, oh, what's that? <laughs> Mom and dad walked away. I was left with the book. Oh, this is a good book. <laughs> that was my sex education. I think we've. I think, praise God, in 2018, we can do better than that parents. Now, I don't blame my parents for that because my parents didn't even get a book. They got nothing. They knew not to have sex before marriage, but you know, it might have been a quick talk by the mother to the daughter, you know, this is what will happen, go for it, have a good time. That was it, Yeah, you know, I don't know, but my parents got very less than me, um, why don't we give our children, an op- grandparents, why don't we help our grandparents when they come and talk? As long as their parents are in agreement, of course, with what we share with them, but so we can have parents and grandparents, we become coaches, Um, and um, and we need to fight for our children and our grandchildren. And I tell you, you know, there's many a life that has been totally destroyed, and they're not here tonight because of the wrong decisions about their sexuality at young age. Praise God, many are here because God can heal and take us on and. Create wonderful futures. But um, sometimes there's people who aren't in ministry because they just made wrong decisions, got hurt, got. You know, it is a joy to have a good partner in your life that you marry. There's a great joy in it. It's not to be endured, it's to be enjoyed. I enjoy it. I enjoy my wife. She enjoys me, I hope. I think she. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, I've, yeah, yeah. I check every now and then. How are we going? good good yeah good what was that yeah 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 yeah. she gotta say yes so um and you know grandparents and parents becoming better coaches it's not about bossing them around it's not about rules that are legalistic that's the last thing you need it's about compassion genuine concern helping them steer them through the pitfalls that want to destroy their lives. If we're here as parents, we haven't got kids yet, just take notes because this can be helpful for your future um, and how we deal with kids. If you ever wanted to uh, get down to the nitty and gritty and how you had had that birds and bees talk with your child at the age of 10, 11, 12, 13, just ask my wife. She'll tell you. It's brilliant. (laughs) No, I'm serious. I'm serious. It's, you know, it's a great opportunity. You might think, did you have any part of it? Oh Well, I produce them. That's enough. <laughs> no, I'm just being funny. Uh, so, where am I? <laughs> uh, you know, as parents and grandparents, you know, sometimes I think we just got to turn the TV off. <laughs> Yeah, man, social media and that—we just gotta. Sh- I've been talking to some people lately, and it's amazing how people have been saying to me, "I'm just not using Facebook anymore. <laughs> I've had enough of it." It's just, you know, uh, or oh, yeah, we've just got to be aware of that. Um, and and as a baby boomer, we grew up when television was invented. Remember that? What year was it? 1959, I think it came into Australia, and you know, and, and as a little boy, I, you know, I was watching television, you know. The Flowerpot Men and and um, and all these and you know and it was so innocent television. What else was there? Who was the guy with the chalkboard and writing? Mr. Squiggle. Wow, that was such a great show, you know. But you know, um, uh, there's no longer Mr. Squiggle. You know, there's some pretty heavy um, subjects out there for kids to watch. You know, I used to enjoy um, the Big Bang Theory, but. You know uh it's changed in the last five years it's all about the bedroom scene sometimes and the that are happening and all so I just thought, nah, no more you know and' it's, it, we've just got to learn to help our kids understand there's some things you don't need in your head because uh, we've been bombarded sexually all the time it's, you know exp- and, and they want to, and sex wants to exploit exploit and-, dis- and destroy um, the good things that uh, you know what children how they grow up um finally i want to you know talk to a third group and 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 um third group are those who are maybe single again you know Uh, i know that there's some of us are single and we're no desire to get involved in another relationship that's fine i think that's good that's fine but there's people who want to be you know maybe one day find again a person and and maybe you're single again through death or divorce or Um, And you're facing, wrestling with the realities, can I ever find intimacy again? Well, I want to say yes, that God has got wonderful plans for us. Um, um, So we, you know, as I said, we live in a world, uh, life doesn't, um, it can get pretty messy sometimes, and messed up in this whole area of our sexuality. And uh, there is a truth, and there's an instruction. And I want to say, you know, a lot of it comes from biblical content, uh, and even the great books that have been written, you know, great books like um, Sheet Music, great books like um, The Act of Marriage, uh, all those books, even, but they use biblical principles. If you ever want a good book to read, just come and see us. We'll tell you some great books to read. Who's ever read Sheet Music? Yeah, a couple of us. Um, Michelle wrote, read it and told me all about it, and I'm glad about that. Um, Act of Marriage was a good one. I, I, That was a brilliant one to read. That's a good book. If you're ever looking for great material, that's some great principles about our sexuality. Brilliant stuff and can be really productive and helpful for our lives. So uh, we want to. We want to. We've called it navigating sexuality today because we've got to live in a world that's bombarding us with 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 the sexual culture all the time. You just walk into the mall and it's been bombarded with. You know, you've got all those shops and everything's happening. You watch television. You just got to be careful. Um, You know, you you turn on SBS and I saw there was a show the other day called Adam and Eve. I thought, oh, it's a Christian show. Uh It's not. It's about two people naked walking on a beach. I'm thinking, far out. We don't need that anymore. See how the world destroys God's principles? Adam and Eve were never met. That never happened. Who knows what I'm talking about? No one, because you don't want to continue. But there's, there's, you know, you just got to turn it off. Come on. Um, so when I was in my late teens, I went to a youth camp. And uh it was at Cool waters near Yapoon there between Emu Park and Yapoon great camp and um, it was with the it was with the Rocky youth group actually and and there was a speaker there called Tom Rawls um, and Tom Rawls was a youth pastor, and he spoke about Delilah and Samson. You may think, what can you get out of Delilah and Samson?" But for the whole camp, he talked about relationships and our sexuality, and as a young man probably uh, I think it was about Eighteen or nineteen, it was just life to me. It was just life giving because he talked about the realities of how to conduct relationships, how to wait um, for your marriage partner, how to um, how to honour the opposite sex, how to honour ourselves and love ourselves. It was a, it was it was gold to me in those years, and I am just so thankful. Once again, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, and God spoke into my heart and just revealed some incredible truths. It doesn't mean that I got it all perfect. Well, I've not done too much wrong, but the reality is I didn't get it all perfect, but I'm so glad that someone took the time to preach and to share what God's Word says about our sexuality and relationships. And that's, uh, I think, God's heart for us, that we understand and we do life well. Amen? And that we um, encompass his principles. It saved me. I remember that. I think it saved me a whole lot of heartache. And I will be eternally grateful uh, for those messages and those principles and the biblical truth that we shared. And it's my desire, and more importantly than God's desire, to help all those groups of people. Young people, single people, parents, grandparents, single again, whatever it may be. Everybody. Um, you know and i I encourage you to invite people along so they can just listen into the principles and truths of doing life so well in the right areas of our life, so I just want to encourage us uh we're going to have a good time and um I want to just um help us in um in this whole area and I think it's very important that we embrace this subject and address it. So how about we stand tonight? There we go. It's a bit of a start. I hope that whets your appetite just Principles of living uh, in God's best for us. Um, and I want to just pray. Hey, I appreciate that tonight that we've got people who, um, that have got loving relationships. I know that people maybe here tonight have gone through divorce and those situations. People have gone through circumstances that have been hurtful and painful. And so I'm not trying to... I don't want anybody to be hurt by it, but I want them to realize the potential and the wonderful future that God has for all of us, whatever our situation or circumstances has been. So um, I pray your heart will just be re- open and responsive to what God wants to speak into it. So Father, tonight, we, we just thank you. Thank you for your promises to us. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you're the one who invented sex, Lord, and that you're the one who has the best plan for it. And Father, we present ourselves before you, and we ask for your help to walk in what we know is truth. And we commit um, this time to you. We pray that even through this time that you'll draw people to yourself. It just won't be a nice message, but it'll be something that would um, touch the hearts and lives of people. And so we commit ourselves to you tonight in Jesus' name. Everyone agreed. said? Amen. Amen. There ends the lesson. Is that curl? Cool? That's a start. Why don't you say hello to someone? I didn't even get the band back up to pull your heartstrings. I just want you to, there you go.